Hi, welcome to our podcast. I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam, my uh, dear friends and colleagues. And we were uh, ruminating about all the fun we have with workshops. And we realized that there's actually a recipe uh, or a formula for something working well or going disastrously wrong. And so we're going to talk through what we have learned over our 25 plus years of running workshops, most of them successful. <laughs> um, who wants to take it from here? Well, I, I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. I mean, we, we tend to talk so much about our tools and um, how the tools that we've created help people uh, build strategic marketing plans. But we've been talking a lot lately about the execution of the learning of those tools and some of the things that we do. And we've just been getting better and better over the years at it. And our feedback's been getting better and better. And we realize as we step back from it that we have developed this formula, Mary, that you, you know, that you um, mentioned. And that particular formula is something that we, we want to talk about today, as well as maybe some of the softer things that we also do to, to make a workshop go very well. I think our purpose here is uh, to well, selfishly, you know, give people an idea of what the experience could be like of, of working with us. But also, I mean, I think more broadly, um, our, our purpose here is to just make people better marketers and, and better strategists. And, and so if people can take some of these things and to their next meeting and use them to their benefit, I guess we'd, we'd be very happy about that as well. So, um, I don't know. I, why don't we just start? What is, you know, what are some of the, I, I guess, formulaic things that you guys think are worth mentioning that when we have an opportunity to be in front of people in a live audience, and even actually virtually, we do some of these things as well. When we do Zoom sessions, what are some of the things that we've learned over the years that are must-haves, must-dos to have people be very engaged and maximize learning? Does anyone want to throw one out? I think there's the relevancy is the very first thing, you know, and this comes almost before the workshop. People need to know why they're there. Their expectations can be varied, right? I mean, they don't know what exactly they're going to experience, but if they don't have that sense of why are we here and and what at least at a high level are we, are we here to do, that sort of um, understanding, setting the expectation, I guess, is, is, is the first step. If people turn up expecting a different sort of event, or we've even had people turn up. I had one guy turn up at a, a session. He looked fairly grumpy and was a bit flustered and throwing things around. I, I spoke to him and I said, are you okay? Is everything fine? And he was just saying, I sent me on this class. I got enough to get on with these stupid damn classes. And I thought, this is, this is going to be a challenge because this guy doesn't want to be here. It's either not been sold enough to him or he's the wrong person to be here. And we had to have some... Uh, we had to address that issue in, in a positive way, I must say, but it, it, that's an extreme example. But if you've got people whose mindset isn't engaged and excited and somewhat anticipatory for what's coming, then you've missed an opportunity. So you've got to yeah. prepare the ground. That, that would be 10 at one, prepare the ground, make sure people know what they're coming for. I would, yeah, make, I think a prediction. I would make a prediction. I think I know what Mary's going to talk about. Okay, well, let's see. The cousin of that. <laughs> the prediction is you're going to talk about our experience in Texas a couple of weeks ago when somebody no, exactly what no. Sean was talking so, Tom, about. Tom, 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 you, you got to stop with the predictions, Tom. They're, they're, they're not, I'm just saying, just hold, hold on. Mary. 
Thank you, Sean. What are you going to talk about? Well, what I am going to talk about is that there's a cousin of what you're saying, Sean, which I think is towards the very top of my list. And that's having senior um, uh, leadership support and actually not only support, but but they have they have to want it. And so maybe this is what Tom was wanting. But what I see is, is that if you go into a room and you could be I mean, the entertainment has to be there. The knowledge has to be there. The design all of the, the the tenants of a you know of a really good especially strategic workshop but when senior leaders say we have to have this this really means that we are going to do it when you this isn't just a fun event for a couple of days that's what one of the guys just recently senior leader said is, is you're going to have a great time in the workshop you usually do have great times in any workshop to some degree but we're really going to use this so pay attention because i'm going to be asking you about this when you leave okay is that what you were saying so my prediction, what good is a prediction if you don't make it before somebody talks? That's why I interjected in there, you guys. That's what I, I mean, the senior leadership buy-in and Mary. So now talk about what happened in Texas a couple of weeks ago in terms of what the, the lead client did to do exactly what you and Sean are talking about and it worked magically. Oh, to, re to rephrase that slightly, Mary, could you now please make Tom's prediction come true? <laughs> He did already. Come on. He did already. I, I think you should just keep rolling with it. I think I think you have a better recollection of this because go ahead, keep going. Well, I mean, one of one of the things that um, was done so very well a couple of weeks ago in Texas with one of our great clients and one, and one of our pretty a, a person that's pretty new in their role of organizing the, the learning for a very big oil and gas concern in Texas. This guy realized exactly what you guys are talking about. He made like a personal invitation. He sent out a personal invitation to all, what was it, 30 people that were involved in the workshop and just personalized the invitation, talked about how important um, it, it was to their future, how um, you know, it was basically an honor to be selected and that they were, you know, how well they were thought of to be able to, to come to the session, how um, he personally was very committed to making what was going to be taught there a permanent part of the culture at this particular place, how it was going to be the language of, of um, you know, how they did strategy at this company going forward. And just several things like that that were just done so very, very, very well. Um, we often have said that the one piece of our evaluations that have the lowest ratings at the end of our usually very, very successful courses are the statement um, that, that reads something like, um, I'm confident that when I return to my job that, you know, my boss will support the use of these tools. And oftentimes that's rated very, very low and everything else is glowing. And we say, oh, damn, that, you know, that's that's one of the most important ones, because if you're going to sit in a session like ours and and work as hard as you, you're going to be engaged. And we'll talk about why you'll be engaged. But if you're going to be in that session and be away from your day to day and have the emails pile up, you know, you want to know that what you are learning there is going to truly be supported and, and that when you demonstrate the principles that you learn in your next strategic plan, that you're going to be rewarded for that um, and not overly challenged. Why did you do that? Why did you do it this way? Why did you do it that way? So 
to add to what you're saying, Tom, is um, part of that letter that that he sent out was uh, you, we need to have your senior manager support this. And there are some people that the senior manager, either because of the workload at the time, didn't support it. And so they they weren't allowed to be a part of the program or at least not you know this one and there'll be a, some future one. But it was one of the asks is, you know, only come if you're senior manager. And we it was the least amount of interruptions we had because usually when we're in sessions, um, somebody gets pulled out of meetings because their boss wants them to do something right away. And in mm -hmm. this case, we had no one get pulled out. And in fact, we uh, another important best practice is, is to find a place that is far enough away so that no one can walk by the room and pull somebody out. I mean, whenever we can find a, a meeting space that, you know, is at a hotel or in like one of the R&D buildings in the very back of the campus, that's nirvana. People have to look for it to get there. And uh, and then, you know, people can just, they have the space to be able to really think about what, what you know, we're asking them to do and, and, and really engage with their colleagues. One of the most important parts of a session is getting to know your other colleagues because you don't have that opportunity, especially after the pandemic, to really discuss what you think about, you know, your business, about your uh, your world. And um, and so I think that, that that gives them the freedom of the space without anyone, you know, pulling them out. <laughs> so. Yeah, hopefully it's not like where they're doing the experimental stuff, like, you know, uh, Mary and I and Sean don't start growing like a third arm eventually from being in all of these places where the R&D stuff is going on and away from the action. But anyway, Sean, go ahead. I could. I, I wouldn't mind that being bit by a radioactive spider. I hear that can have quite positive benefits sometimes. <laughs> um, I was so so. We've got the the prep, if you like. We've got the 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 people attending have to know why they're there with a sense of anticipation, and excitement, and that needs to be supported by the broader management. It's not going to just fall on on stony ground. It's going to come back into the business and be be used. So it's supported. There's clarity. I think the next step is in, and we talked about it a little bit. Is that makeup of the team. Don't be too homogenous. Don't be too limited. Don't be too small. There's sweet spots all over the place in terms of experience, departments, perspectives, and size of teams. I think getting that team structure right is another part that we work quite hard on and is often either assumed or overlooked, and we just get a bunch of people in a the room. There's more to it than that. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Oh, totally. Go ahead, Mary. Oh, I just, yeah, without a question, it's funny, Sean, some things are just so ingrained that, um, but you're right, if you get a team that's over seven people, people are going to start checking out. So the sweet spot is really four to six. Yeah. yeah. And, that's, yeah. and that's, there's some science behind that too, right? Because we know if there's two, we've seen it so many times through necessity, we've had small groups. And they can be one of two things, really highly productive because you've got four of the, the right people or three of the right people, or somewhat cancelling each other out because you've got no natural leadership and different opinions and, and there's no breadth of debate. So it's a risk with a very small team that, that one of those two things happen. Too big a team and you either get splits and you have two sub teams working on different things. You have people checking out thinking, I don't need to work hard here. There's seven, nine other people doing this. So getting that four to six is important. There's nowhere to hide. People have to contribute and there's enough to spark typically good debates and discussions. And that's part of the strength of what we offer is 
we don't just serve up ideas and say, accept this, now go do it. We we serve up concepts that then are talked about, contextualized, and that creates the learning as people place that idea in the context of their own business or challenge. So I think that sweet spot is really, really important. I mean, it's it's so specific too. I mean, groups of three and groups of seven don't work. They don't always work. I think we have to be fair. I've, I've seen them work at the extremes, but I wouldn't bet on it, right? The probability falls off a cliff at those levels, Tom, I agree. It yeah. can work. Yeah. But I mean, you also bring up another important thing that we encourage very strongly, which is that dialogue within those breakout groups as they're applying the concepts. Uh, we'll talk maybe uh, a little bit later in this podcast or in another podcast about how we maximize, how we go about maximizing that time that people have applying the concepts, which is another huge, huge principle that we have. But um, mm -hmm. it's really important how we facilitate the breakout groups and we're, you know, doing anything but checking our email, you know, while that's going on. We are highly active um, in walking around and seeing the dynamics in the group. We all know that what's really important is that everybody sort of, to use a basketball term, touches the ball that mm -hmm. uh, the ball's being passed around. We highly encourage people to kind of rotate the roles of scribing the group's output, leading the, the group's discussion, you know, keeping the time, going around and stealing other ideas because you can, because it's the same company and you can steal ideas. Of what I, you know, steal is too strong of a word. But anyway, it's that dynamic of, of how that goes on that is so important because what we're not talking about is a fixed time event of a workshop. What we're talking about is teaching people um, concepts, principles, and techniques that they, we hope, are going to use in, in, in inculcate into the fabric of their, their company going forward. So it's so important that that first discussion around a particular topic like segmentation, everybody's involved. No, not, you know, no one person is overly dominating and you may, you've made me think of another point, Tom. There's another point here. Which I think if, if we're saying the teams need to be the right mix and the right balance of experience and departments, all that stuff, another, if you like, best practice, whether you know, what makes these sessions work is get people to contribute early. We often start off with a discussion, right? We don't start off with a lecture about this is what's going to happen, this is where we go. We start off with a discussion because for that exact reason, people – it's human nature to be in a large group. A lot of people don't want to stick their head up and be the first to speak or offer opinion. There's a trust that has to be built. One way that we do that is ensure that everyone gets to contribute and we say, and, and that's, it's a it's a hard to define quality, but how we manage that initial discussion and building on points and bringing people that are more reluctant into the conversation. And we have to say shutting down people that are very enthusiastic a little bit and taking some, you know, put the brakes on them a little bit, establish the roles. That's the sort of thing that when we're pressured on time and everyone says, can, can we do this in a half a day? It's like, yeah, but you've got, there's a, there's a rhythm. There's a, a, a progress to these things and you've got to, you've, what you would say in the entertainment business, you've got to warm up the audience, right? You've got to get them in that mind, that headspace that's conducive to what we're trying to do. So have that conversation early. Another key element of what we do is, is talk early. I think what you're talking about too, Sean, is that we, we um, it's a lab to lead. 
so we help if, if leaders are picked ahead of time, we give them some facilitation tips. If it happens more naturally where they're just in those groups, we try to make sure that the dynamics are working, but the magic sometimes is letting people struggle too. You know, I, I, I've seen every type of facilitation and the worst is to get in and try to help sort everything out. You know, the, it's messy. It is messy in a group to discuss stuff. And the energy of the room, Tommy, you were saying, you know, is, is everyone touches the ball. In the old days, we all had breakout rooms and you would go into your breakout room, you'd figure it out and you'd come back. And it really, well, for a lot of reasons, one is, is as a facilitator, you get exhausted trying to find everyone in all the breakout rooms. <laughs> but even more is, is that you can look around the room and um, the energy just builds because, you know, one group is working on, they're getting excited and they're doing something. The other team kind of goes, oh, well, what are they doing over there? You know, and they can go over and see themselves. But it's that's some of the other magic that probably doesn't end up on any design sheet, but is is really part of what makes it work. Mary, you said a lab to lead, and I think it is. And I think it's a lab for so much more, too, uh, because good leaders are also at times um, comfortable with following, you know, and being a good follower. And there's so much opportunity in our workshops because once again, we maximize that breakout time and people working on their own stuff that oftentimes we are asked at the end to provide sort of like an evaluation of, uh, you know, how people were. And you would think, you know, only after a couple three or four days, we'd be a little uncomfortable with that. But the truth of the matter is we're not uncomfortable because we actually see so much in two, three, four days about how someone is, how are they at leading? Yes, a lab for leading, but how are they at following? You know, do they give people the opportunity to, to, um, to provide input or are they just dominating? Um, are, 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 they, are they bringing people out, the, the more reticent members? Are they good at getting those people to contribute and feel um, a part of it? I mean, these are all the things that a, not just a leader, but a strategist does, right? A strategist needs to be able to orchestrate a lot of different opinions, sometimes lead, sometimes follow. And that's, you know, something that happens in our workshop that we take very, very seriously. Um, Sean, you had mentioned one other thing. Mary, do we have time to, are we at time? Yeah, one more, one more thing. Yeah. And I think this is something that we can probably, you know, expand on in, in the next um, session, in the next podcast, if we, if we want to, but it's just this whole idea of starting a discussion early. And, you know, I think so much um, of the old school, of what we do was ego of the instructors to just hear themselves talk and show everybody how brilliant they are and just go on and on and on about, you know, quote unquote teaching. And in some ways, I think the people, some of the people coming into the class, they kind of think that's what they want. This is a break from the day to day. I'm just going to come in here and zone out and listen, and I'm not going to be challenged too much. But I think what happens is We've decided that that's the opposite of what we want to do. We want to get people, as Sean said, into discussions early. We want to communicate the concepts and the tools in as efficient and concise manner as possible to maximize time of people sort of like, you know, applying those tools. And I think even the people that wish they were coming in for a mental break and find out that they're going to be challenged to do work and to participate, I think they come to 
to really appreciate that because they realize how much that they're really rapidly learning how to do some things that they perhaps didn't know how to do in the, in the past. Yeah, for uh, me, I, um, one of the founders of, of, of the company um, took acting classes. So he was a professor, but he was told he was boring. So he took acting classes and, you know, he was phenomenal. The stories were just wonderful to listen to. But I remember one of the chemical companies we were working with, they, I was, I was, taking notes at the time I was learning and they got done and they looked at me and they said, well, that was interesting. What are we supposed to do with this? And that was kind of a big epiphany that, you know, I, I was going to make sure that whatever I was involved in, they had to connect the dots. It had to be where it was interesting. Okay. I learned about Phaeton, but what does that really mean when I have to go back and figure out how to do that medical device and marketing plan? And so that's Sean, what you said about relevance, but in a kind of a different way too, is making sure that, that all the stories are fast and they link yeah. back to, how, you know, it, it's interesting. I open my brain, but then I got to get back to how do I really do this for my company? They got to be applicable. And as Tom was saying about this idea of getting people to talk early, it's not just asking them to contribute and be steered in a certain direction. A key element that people bring is their own experiences and ideas. We, we often ask people, give me an example of a business that demonstrated this or that quality. And we do that around the world. Tom and I were in India and we get to hear about the Indian Premier League in cricket or the Dabawalas who deliver hot lunch food to people's desks through this massively complex logistics chain. Those kind of things are not only interesting, but what people bring to the meeting is, not, is it's not just show and tell. It's then everyone benefits from learning a little bit more. And it's that exponential growth of understanding and relevancy where you can start saying, I can apply that idea to my business in this way. And it's that richness of people sharing not just their contribution, but their life experiences and their understandings. That creates such a rich tapestry, much, much more than we could ever bring. As smart as your facilitator may be, you cannot bring that knowledge. You have to extract it from the room. And that's part of what we do. We have the best job in the world. Uh, um I as so to, to be very showbiz and very entertainment oriented, I'm going to tease our next podcast. I think what we should do is on our next podcast, we should share the formula, our formula that I think that we've developed over the years for how to sort of introduce concepts in a way that entertains very skeptical business people and gets them into a position to apply the concepts very rapidly and very practically such that at the end of the session, they say that was one of the best experiences I've ever had uh, in, in, in any kind of quote unquote training. So why don't we do that next time? Let's talk about that formula. I'll bring my Sounds guitar, really we'll, have a, we'll have a musical version. Oh my, um, I can hardly wait. Thank you very much for joining us. And we hope that uh, you have some ideas now about what you might do in your next workshop. Thank you. Thank you.